Network presents Football Time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Football Time podcast with our man Achilles Rain to break down the conference finals. What was eight is now four, and it will soon be two, and then one, and then none for quite a while. Are you ready for the football season to end, Mr. Achilles? Of course I'm not ready for it to end. I don't think anyone's ever ready for it to end. But sadly, a champion must be crowned, and we're almost there. All right. So before we get into the breakdown of the conference final games, we'll go over some more coaching hired, new coaches hired away. Uh, we'll start out with the, I almost said San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers. Your boy, Brandon Staley, uh, really doesn't move anywhere, just uh, changes uh, logos. Heads to the Los Angeles Chargers to become their head coach. What'd you make of this hire? I mean, it was a quick whirlwind. He was not the defensive coordinator last year, was the defensive coordinator this year, and then is now a head coach. Uh, I think they have a solid base, the Chargers do, but uh, is this guy ready for it? I don't know. Um, And I don't know if part of that is just me speaking as a fan, you know, upset at the fact that he's gone. But I don't know if he's ready yet. I, I obviously that remains to be seen, and you know I hope he's ready. Uh, he was he's really good with the Rams, and I think that uh, that's one of the reasons why he was brought in is for the type of defensive uh, game plan that he could put together, defensive team that he could put together. The Chargers, obviously, they had a really potent offense this season. Um, even though they had a rookie quarterback, uh, he came in and Herbert uh, really impressed a lot of people. He opened a lot of eyes and. Uh, they're definitely kind of uh, stacked uh, with a lot of young guys on the offensive side of the ball. Um, their biggest, I think, weakness this season was the defense. So uh, bringing a guy like Staley in, I think, kind of uh, at least tells your franchise and your fan base that you're ready to uh, try and move in the right direction. But is he ready? I, I don't know. That's still something that remains to be seen. I, I will say that the uh, Chargers do uh... – at least have some high level defensive players. Now they've all had a lot of injuries. We haven't seen uh, Darwin James in now two years, uh, but uh, Bosa has been in and out of the lineup hurt, not healthy uh, for a full season. I don't think either of his uh, three years, I believe he's been in the league, maybe two. And uh, Melvin Ingram is starting to age a little bit, but is still a very, very solid defensive player. So at least he goes to a team in theory that has a, at least some high leverage talent, uh, much like the Rams, but uh I did think this was a little early to uh, give him a head coaching job. Now, I know that Sean McVay tree, uh, for some reason, springs fruit and everybody hires, you know, whoever it touches uh, to, uh, I'd say, mix success. I, I just thought this was really uh, pretty quick and uh, probably a little, uh, I don't want to say easy, but, you know, he's essentially in the same locker room as the other team. So it, it just seems... Uh, a quick and easy hire for the Chargers. I don't know if it's a bad one because I don't think we have enough, you know, sort of information on the guy. He's been a D coordinator for one year, really. Yeah, and that's, I think, the biggest concern. But maybe they see something, you know, he he did 
the Rams defense wasn't all that horrible the previous season. They were they're pretty solid. You know, when you have a guy like Aaron Donald on that on that defensive side of the ball, you're always going to be pretty good. So, but the turnaround to take them to first, uh, I, I believe at the end of the season they were the uh, number one overall ranked defense. So. I believe so as well. So I mean, it's a it's still a pretty good turnaround regardless. So I, I think that, you know, it's more about making a statement uh, that they think that they can take the next step. Um, with that franchise they've got like i said a bunch of young players that they believe in and they think offensively are probably set they just want to bring a different mentality in if he pans out you know it's going to be one of the best uh decisions by you know a staff to hire for hiring a coach um in recent history again and that still has to work out i'll also say they they give coaches time i think uh they gave anthony lynn uh more than enough time to uh prove himself there i believe he was there for five years so yeah uh, and they give you a window uh, with the uh san diego slash los angeles chargers ownership group yeah and we've definitely seen there's certain teams out there that really don't you know take uh lack of success uh you know they they basically as soon as you start having a bad season you're done uh, regardless of time. So this is probably, if you were going to go to any franchise, this is probably has to be one of the easiest transitions ever If you uh, that I can think of. Uh, like you say, he stays in the same city, he stays in the same stadium. Uh, all he really does is uh, changes the uh, the uniform. But if they give him time to at least put together his, you know, his vision, maybe it works out. Maybe, you know, they he proves something that uh, we're not quite sure is there yet. Not I'm not trying to say he's not a good coach but it still remains to be seen whether he's a good head coach or not. Yeah. All right. The, uh, these next two, uh, I have a couple more questions about. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, hired uh, Nick Sirianni from the Indianapolis Colts. Now, uh, Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, and as soon as he left, uh, Doug Peterson became a uh, terrible coach. So, I'm just wondering about this hire. Essentially, you're going back to the same Doug Peterson tree, and uh, it's really, I don't know, how much offensive coordinating is this guy actually doing uh, for the Indianapolis Colts? It, it just seems like it's, uh, oh, he's a young hotshot. Let's hire the young hotshot and be innovative and cool. It, it just seems to be the trend in the NFL uh, right now. I just... I don't understand this hire, especially when I'm pretty sure Frank Wright is doing a lot of the offensive coordinating for the Indianapolis Colts. You know, I, I'm, you know, when I look at this whole coaching situation at first, the, the entire landscape of it, at first I kind of felt the same way you did. You know, it's, it's the trend right now, hire this young guy. And, you know, he's, he had a really good season the prior season as a coordinator and let's make him a head coach. I know that we've seen this trend happen, but in reality, what's really going on here is we're seeing a transition in the NFL as far as coaching goes. Um, a lot of the older coaches that you and I grew up watching are no longer coaching. They're either analysts or they're, you know, contributors or, or they're doing something else. Uh, but a lot of these older guys just aren't doing it anymore. So what happens is you start getting this trickle down from all of, you know, like you said, the, down the coaching tree, you start getting this trickle down effect where these guys that were assistants and, you know, just part of the staff start getting promoted. And now we're seeing them start coming, you know, into the, uh, into the limelight of the NFL. So I think that's, what's going on with the coaching. I don't think it's kind of a trend. Uh, like I said, I think it's, you know, 
they look at these coordinators, they think they see something good in them and they just say, let's snatch them up while they're still young. And, you know, kind of, if anyone's going to hit gold, they probably want to be the first ones to do so. And if it doesn't work out, you know, it's not like they had a great season the year before anyway. So what are they losing? Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I got to ask this question about Eric B enemy. Uh, now I know his football team is still playing and, you know, you can't uh, quote unquote, you know, hire the guy while his team is still playing. But uh, if you're looking for a Andy Reed, Frank Wright protege, Doug Peterson protege, why would you jump to that one and not somebody like Eric Bieniemy? Now, that being said, Eric Bieniemy might have looked at that Philly situation or the Detroit situation, which we'll get into, and was like, uh, yeah, uh, I want no part of that. That's a job to hired to be fired. But it just, I don't understand why he doesn't have a job and somebody like the uh, St. Louis guy or the Indianapolis guy has a job who barely has any experience and really hasn't won anything really. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish I could answer that. I really don't know, you know, why some of these franchises make these uh, decisions that they do make, but it's, I just, I really wouldn't be able to tell you. I just think that a lot of these guys are looking for the next big thing. They probably see the transition in coaching uh, eras kind of, you know, playing out right before our eyes and they probably want to be the first ones to strike gold you know, a la Sean McVay, although he hasn't really won the big game, but, you know, he's had he's at really least good success. in there. But uh, I was going to say, like, the defensive coordinator, he wasn't the one who got him there. Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl, not this guy. So I, I, it just – it stuns me when you have a proven guy who's been, you know – Needless to say, the Chiefs offense has Andy Reid is loaded with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, but he's at least proven numerous years in a row that he can coordinate an offense uh, to high, high levels. Where so, I, I just don't know if this Colts guy has proven he can coordinate an offense to high, high levels over numerous years. So it just seems strange that they give him a shot. See, I think that part of that also, one of the things that plays into it, it's probably the fact that they know that certain guys aren't going to leave the situation that they're in. They have it too good. You know, the continuity where they're at is working out for them because uh, there was a report before the Eagles went ahead and hired uh, Sirianni that they might uh, hire. Uh, what's his name from the offensive sure. coordinator for the Patriots? Uh, uh, Josh, Josh McDaniels. McDaniels. Yeah. So there was a report that they were probably thinking about hiring him, but Honestly, I don't see Josh McDaniels throwing his hat in the head coaching ring quite yet again after that fiasco in St. Louis. Um, I think that he's comfortable being the offensive coordinator under Bill Belichick, and I think they probably figured that he would decide to stay in New England and kind of try to work this thing out there, at least you know while Bill is still there. So I think that's one of the reasons as to why they choose other guys also. They just feel this guy that everybody likes that has a proven record probably doesn't want to leave the situation he's in. So let's go for this guy. Well, yeah, that I, I do want to make that clear. I, they might've offered Eric B enemy, the job, both them and the lions. And like I said, he might've looked at that job and been like, uh, yeah, that's a big pass right there, which uh, I wouldn't fault anybody for uh, big passing on the Eagles or the lions job. Now we're going to get into the lions job and um uh, 
Before I go off on the Lions, I wanted to get your take on the Dan Campbell hiring. Um, it just seems like a long line of, uh, let's just go with questionable coaching hires uh, from the Detroit Lions. I, I think the only normal one they ever had, uh, at least in my lifetime, is Jim Caldwell, who they proceeded to fire after winning 10 games twice and nine games twice. So, you know, explain that one some other day. But uh, then he had his nutball press conference where he's biting people's knees and he wasn't going to do coach speak and then proceeded to do coach speak for the next, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes. Um, how about this hire? And then uh, I just need to ask you a question about the franchise after that. I don't know. Uh, to me, out of the hires we've had so far, this was probably the biggest head scratch for me. I, I don't quite understand it. Um, maybe I just don't, follow the franchise closely enough to understand the difference from Patricia other than one's sort of offense, one's defense. I mean, it, it, to me, like you said, it's almost a mirrored type of version of the other guy. Uh, I, I don't see much of a difference, but I don't know. I, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not the expert here. I'm not the coaching, you know, guru or uh, the coaching whisperer. I, I don't really know which direction they're trying to head here, but I mean, he seems motivated. I don't, I, I don't know. You know, this is the lines. Like you said, they fired a guy who had winning seasons and how have they looked since? I mean, it's kind of been up and down for them ever since I, so I can't really tell you what their plan is. I will say this, that he seems very excited. Uh, he gave a very long speech when he was uh, being introduced. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. So franchise wise, I, I was just thinking about this. We're about the same age. So in your lifetime, is there a worse just overall sports franchise uh, in sports, all of it, basketball, baseball, football, soccer, whatever you want to go into? I was thinking, and I'm pretty sure this is the worst one. I've, they've never, never been a winner. I mean, the Clippers, of course, popped up in my head, but uh, since Ballmer has taken over, they've sort of leveled off and become a you know, normal, well-run franchise. I just, is this the worst franchise you have seen in your lifetime? If I had to say during my lifetime, I'd probably still stick with the I Clippers. I don't think they were very good before our lifetimes either, by the way. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. But the question was during my lifetime. So that's what I'm going by is um, I think I still have to go with the Clippers uh, and Yes, I know that ever since, like you said, Ballmer bought the team, it's been a different type of franchise. They've had success at least, but they still seem to be that cursed team that just can't get over the hump. Uh, and I know Detroit hasn't had success. They've had a few winning seasons here and there, and they've also had you know some of the worst seasons in NFL history. So I get where you're coming from, but I, you know when I think when I think about guys like Megatron, you know, and uh, just a bunch of big names that came out of that, that franchise. It just feels like there had to have been some sort of success in the past. I mean, you know, maybe if I just, like I said, if you just stop and look at all the players that have come out of there, doesn't it seem like they've had some sort of success at least? I don't know. I, I re that's the thing. I remember the great players. I never in my lifetime have remembered this franchise being good other than, if you want to call the little spell under Jim Caldwell good, where they were 10 and six, I believe twice and like nine and seven twice. 
I, I don't know if that counts for good, but uh, like they were never great when Barry Sanders was there, who I think is probably the best running back of my lifetime. Um, you know, I'm sure there are a couple guys you can argue in there, but he was the best personally I have seen in my lifetime. Uh, Calvin Johnson certainly is probably one of the best receivers of my lifetime. And uh, Herman Moore's in there. I mean, I could go down the list of a lot of great Lions players, but uh, they just never have been good or won ever since I can, you know, structure football in my brain from watching it on TV. See, I think if I had to compare them to a team, even though I think that the Clippers are probably one of the worst franchises in sports, not the worst, one of the worst, but I think that I would probably say that they are the Clippers of the NFL. You know, they've had some success, but nothing that you can really, you know, write home about. Well, I don't think the Fords were quite as outgoringly racist as uh, the Sterling family. So, Hey, listen, he paid, he got, he paid what he was supposed to pay. He paid his dues and they made the man sell his team. So, uh, you know, yeah, but it, probably a good thing he's gone. He wasn't uh, the nicest of people. So, yeah. All right. So I, I guess we broke down this coaching stuff enough for the week. Uh, interesting hires continue to go along. Uh, the Houston Texans still don't have a job. I I'm hoping a little bit that uh, maybe B enemy gets that job, but uh, uh, with the Houston Texans, um, I, they might be, uh, they could be contenders for Detroit uh, in the next 30 years for worst uh, franchise oh, in my lifetime. They they're, are, knock- they're trying very hard. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely knocking on the door. Uh, and, and I will say, uh, I think you meant head coach, right? Yes, head coach. Houston doesn't have a head coach, not a job. Because <laughs> yeah. Although that would probably work also. So Yes. All right. So you ready to get into these games for the week? Let's do it. All right, so we'll go through uh, the two games. We'll preview them. We'll see if we have any mutuals, and then we'll give our picks for the games this weekend. We'll start out in Green Bay, the Tampa Bay Bucks at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, three-and-a-half-point favorites, sitting right on a interesting line. It, it opened at uh, three. It's gone up to three-and-a-half, so uh, – what do you make of this line? What do you make of this game? Weather right now is uh, hovering, supposed to be in the 20s and uh, a little snowy. So uh, make of that what you will. Everyone's going to point out the fact that these two teams have played each other before. And everyone is going to point out that that was probably Aaron Rodgers' first and worst game of the season. Uh, it, it was the first time we saw him play poorly prior to that he had been making really great decisions uh he was flying a little bit under the radar as much as aaron Rodgers can fly under the radar which is not much but you know we were talking about other guys like russell wilson and you know and uh kid from arizona uh, murray yes. but he was getting the job done and then he played against tampa bay and that's when we all started to notice hey aaron Rodgers. and as a matter of fact i think you and i took him in our picks that was the first time we had taken the Packers in our picks, I, I think. And they came out and laid a dud. You know, Aaron Rodgers was pressured all day long. He was making poor decisions. He wasn't reading the field the right way. His running backs weren't helping him much. Um, and Tampa Bay really laid it on him. 
Now, that's probably what's in everybody's minds when they think about this game. But what I think about when I look at this game is that Packers offense versus the number one Rams defense and how unstoppable they looked. It didn't matter what happened. You, you, you couldn't stop them. You could, you know, you get them on third and long. They were converting. It almost seemed like they were going to convert every single time that, you know, they snapped the ball. So um, to me, this is going to be probably the most exciting game. I, I like the line. I understand why it's flipped a little bit. You said it's at three and a half now. Yes. It's at three and a half now. Yeah. I think uh, it's because I believe I read somewhere that Antonio Brown's not playing. That's correct. I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing in my uh, <laughs> uh, handicapping of it quite yet. I think it's a good thing, and I'll tell you why. For some weird reason, Tom Brady is infatuated with Antonio Brown. He, he's he been like his biggest supporter since he got kicked off his team and then went to another team and then, you know, was running around excited that he got cut. You can say it started acting crazy. <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't going to quite go out, you know, on that limb, but since you've done it for me already, yeah, since he went crazy, Tom Brady's been his biggest supporter. He was teetering a ledge, then he went off the ledge. Yeah. And I mean, I remember I was in California back when he signed with the, uh, the Raiders and that they were still in Oakland. He seemed very excited to be there. And next thing you know, he was very excited to be on his way out. So I, I think that this probably helps the Green Bay Packers more than, you know, and it, but it also hurts the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers because like I said, Tom Brady has a lot of confidence in him and uh, he feels more comfortable. Like he's got more weapons. One of those, you know, number one wide receivers that you can just kind of throw it up to and, and just let him do the work. And he doesn't have that now. And I think his other uh, wide receiver, Evans, is still kind of banged up. I mean, I know he played well last week, but he's still banged up, isn't he? Yes, he is. So I think this helps the Packers. Their defense has really stepped up as of late. You saw the way they played against that Rams offense. I know that, you know, it was a kind of banged up Jared Goff. I, I understand that we didn't have Cooper Cup. I get all that. But, you know, it was still a pretty formidable, you know, uh, Sean McVay offense and that defense man was all over the place. They were getting pressure even with four guys. So I think that this is the Packers game to, to lose. All right. So let me ask you, uh, how much are you factoring in that game? I don't remember what week it was probably somewhere between week six and week eight, as I'm trying to remember us uh, breaking it down. I, I mean, it was, it wasn't early, early, but it wasn't actually late. So I'm curious how much you are factoring that game and how it played out. Um, it also was on the road. It was not in Green Bay. It was in Tampa Bay. Uh, but um, I'm just curious because uh, I'm factoring it a little bit here in that maybe this uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. I think if there is one way to sort of control this uh, Green Bay Packers offense, it would be pressure. But uh, from what I saw, uh, you know, last week, if they start to get pressure, uh, I'm wondering if they just start pounding the run with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and those guys uh, and just be like, okay, fine. You won't pressure our quarterback. We'll just run the ball. We'll control the clock. We'll keep your offense off the field. I'm just, uh, I'm struggling with how much to factor in that game uh, from uh, probably around midseason, let's say. I believe the game was actually in week five, if I'm week not mistaken. Five. So it was earlier than I thought. 
Yeah. So uh, this, this is exactly how much I'm taking that game into account. And for zero. those, yeah. for those people that are listening, uh, yeah, it's zero. Um, well, I mean, I just, it should say that I didn't even remember what week it was in. So uh, that should probably tell you <laughs> I, 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 honestly, how I was, much I recall it. I was trying to scroll through the schedule uh, while you were talking and I just kind of glimpsed at it. But yeah, it looks like it was week five. So even if it was a little bit later than that, to me, this Packers defense is completely different in these playoffs and especially towards the end of the season than they were early on. So I think that that helps them because they can kind of slow down that Tampa Bay offense, even with all those weapons they have. And those, some of those weapons are going to be out. Like I said, Antonio Brown's going to be out. Evans is a little banged up. Gronk has been kind of a no-show during these playoffs. So, you know, Brady has shown this season that he's got the uh, the ability to make mistakes. He He's not perfect. He's not the Tom Brady of old. He's still very good. He's still very smart. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's not what he was back in New England. With that being said, weapons weapons being out or limited, you know, some guys not playing up to their to their potential or expectations, better yet. And you know, going up against a team that's improved defensively as of late is really hot and had the number one offense. I think that that first game was a little bit of a fluke, and yeah. I think that this is probably going to be a, a pretty uh, decisive win. Now. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Tampa Bay does have some stud players on defense and can't, they could possibly make it tough for Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. And I understand that they weren't the number one defense. The Rams were, but just because the Rams were the number one defense doesn't mean that it's the exact same type of defense that are facing up with lesser players. It's built differently. And sometimes, you know, the NFL is a game of matchups. Sometimes certain guys win in the trenches. Sometimes you win on the outside. You never know. And it affects the other team differently. So a weaker ranked defense could always uh, cause havoc to an opposing offense differently, you know, than a better defense would. So there's a potential there, but I, I, I don't see it. I still think that Green Bay is going to take this soon. And I, at a three and a half, I would jump on that. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I think this is the other thing. I think this Tampa Bay offense gets a lot of press, but Really, this Tampa Bay team has been winning and is winning because of said defense. It's not necessarily the offense. If you watch that game last week, uh, they won that game because their defense got turnovers and uh, was able to control the Saints offense. It had nothing to do really with Tampa Bay's offense. They couldn't drive the ball at all. And the only points they scored were off Tampa Bay defensive turnovers created. So I... I guess that's just what makes me a little nervous. Now, um, that being said, uh, Green Bay looked so, so complete last week. Um, the other thing I was curious how much you're factoring in is this weather. Uh, these are both older quarterbacks, uh, Brady being really old, uh, Rogers starting to get old. Uh, 20 degrees, cold and snowy. Uh, is that going to play a part in uh, any of your sort of handicapping of this game? You know, I, I normally do kind of take this into into consideration when it comes to, like, looking at games. And it also might affect Tampa Bay's defense, too. These guys have been playing in warm weather for pretty much the whole year. Listen, if I, if we think about the teams that were in the game, in the playoffs last week, okay, Rams, Packers, Saints, uh, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Cleveland, 
uh, and Ravens and yeah, and and uh, Bills. All those teams. If I were to tell you right now, who led last week in rushing? Who would you say? Um, I know it wasn't the Bills. <laughs> Uh, probably Tampa Bay. Cause I believe they had two pretty decent rushers, but I'll tell you who the best rusher was last week. Jones. Oh, Jones. I forgot. Jones had a hundred yards. You're right. Yeah. He was a top rusher last week. And this is going against, like I said, the number one, you know, defense granted there was no Donald. He was banged up, but still even without Donald, that Rams defense is still pretty formidable. So the fact that he was the leading rusher last week tells me one thing, if it gets cold and Rogers is having, you know, a little bit of a, a old man issues, like we like we get, then uh, he can rely on his running game. And his defense, like I said, has been playing so much better that between running the ball and playing defense, I think they could still get past Tampa Bay. Okay, so I think I know where you're standing. You like that uh, three and a half, don't you, of the Green Bay Packers? I do. I do like that three and a half. I think that they're probably going to win by at least a touchdown. Well, I have a little betting strategy I, I want to do in here. Now, it doesn't mean it will work out. Uh, I'm hoping maybe it will go down to three so I get that flat line. I don't have to have the juice, but I, I might buy it down to that three uh, and then wait in-game. Uh, the Packers have been uh, getting out to hot starts and getting out in front of everybody. It's uh, really what LaFleur does best is getting on top of it, uh, teams and then sort of controlling the game from there. And uh, Tampa Bay has been suspect in uh, tending to fall behind in uh, games, especially during the regular season. Uh, they fell behind in the Saints game too. But uh, if you take that uh, Green Bay line at three uh, and then in game while it's live, uh, if the Packers get up and you could get maybe a seven point uh, line for the Bucks, and then try to get in the middle there and uh, have uh, the best of both worlds. Cause I think Green Bay might get up, but uh I do think the Bucks will at least make a push, even if Green Bay gets up. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, the Packers defense has been playing better. Are they completely unstoppable? You know, are, are they going to stop every single team they go up against? No, you know, uh, they're they're not that type of team. They play, they've been playing better, and I still you, you can still score on them. If the Rams and Jared Goff can score on them, just about anybody can score on them. So they're definitely susceptible. But I, like I said, I just think that as I'm looking just at this particular game, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but as I'm looking at this particular game, Green Bay is so complete, you know, on all facets of the game. I think that they're now, I mean, obviously I, I thought the Saints were that team and I could be wrong about the Packers also, but to me, this is probably the most complete team that's left. Um, just let's just talk about this game for now. We'll talk yes. about the Super Bowl later. Yes, definitely. All right. So we'll move on to the next game, the AFC championship game. And I think this is probably the uh, juicy one we've been waiting for. Uh, these two teams uh, have been the best in the AFC pretty much all year long. Uh, they played earlier in the regular season. I guess we'll get into how much we are going to qualify that game into this one as well. Uh, I don't know if we're qualifying it more or less, but uh Patrick Mahomes got cleared from concussion protocol. Uh, they've been pretty, uh, let's just say, quiet about the toe thing. Nobody quite seems to know what's wrong with his toe. We've heard dislocation. We've heard maybe a break. We, we just don't know. Uh, honestly, uh, that might be more of a cause for concern for me, the toe, than the concussion, though. Uh, the concussion looked pretty bad, too. So uh, together, I, I, I'm wondering how these Chiefs are going to come out. Uh, 
I'm curious what you expect. The Kansas City Chiefs are three-point favorites, which seems uh, pretty much about a perfect line, I, I think. So what do you think about this game? I'll be honest with you. This this season in general, to me, betting against Andy Reid has almost been like betting against Bill Belichick. I have a hard time doing it, even with injuries and all that. And and I love the Bills. I love what the Bills have done this season. I, I like the story behind it. You know, it's it's a feel good story to me. You know, but and I <laughs> even with the injuries, because like you said, I, I'm I'm with you 100. percent I think that the uh, the toe injury for Mahomes is more concerning to me than the uh, concussion because we see guys get concussions and it's very unfortunate. You don't want to see it happening, but we see it happen. And the guys are fine. Well, I think what was scary also in that game, uh, that offense uh, sort of dropped down a level that second uh, his toes started to bug him. They were humming along, and then all of a sudden there there started to be little chinks in there. Uh, A couple throws weren't being made. Now, you know, we don't know how much of that is just, you know, a throw wasn't being made. But uh, it certainly looked like uh, Mahomes dropped a little bit of a level with that toe injury in that game. Oh, definitely. Even that scramble that he ha- uh, had to the left for that first down he, afterwards, he, it seemed to take so much out of him. Um, so it's, it's concerning uh, to me. I'm more concerned about his toe. It, it really affects the, the last time these two teams played, I believe was week six. And when they played each other, Patrick Mahomes had to run the ball 10 different times. Uh, part of these were scrambles. Some of them were, you know, uh, designed plays, but he had to, he had to carry the ball 10 different times. And that's because this Bills defense can get pressure on the quarterback. They can definitely, you know, really bother the pocket and and cause the quarterback to have to roll out and scramble out of the pocket. And if you have a hobbled Patrick Mahomes that can't really get going like he did that game uh, this last week, it does definitely put a strain on your offense. It takes an element from your offense away. So that makes you a little more susceptible. And they definitely don't have the best defense. Whereas in the Bills seem like the more well-rounded team right now, especially because of the Mahomes injury. So what's the line on this game? It's three for the Chiefs. It's right. I think it's probably dead perfect, actually. If it's three for the Chiefs, honestly, I, I, I would feel more comfortable taking the Bills in this one. Well, I was going to ask you a couple things about that game. Um, the Chiefs, uh, like you said, Mahomes carried it 10 times. Uh, Hilaire, uh, probably I think he had his most carries he had all season in the game. They really tried to uh, run the ball and uh, control the game and the clock. And I I think a lot of that is they're a little scared of the Buffalo offense being able to score on their defense. Now, whatever, you know, Mahomes health is, uh, my guess is he's probably not really going to be wanting to carry it 10 times a game, nor will they call that. Uh, Edwards Hilaire is out. Um, can they run this same type of game plan with a uh, uh, Gimpy Mahomes, Daryl Williams? Um, I guess I'd say Le'Veon Bell, though. I mean, he looks like a corpse out there right now. So I'm, I don't even know if Le'Veon Bell will get carries. It'll be that other little short guy who runs around. I don't remember his name, but uh, was it Thompson? Yes, I think it might be Thompson, that little <clears throat> spark bluggy one that never gets carries, but. Uh, I'm just curious if they can run this same type game plan because uh, clearly they, in that week uh, six game, they didn't want the Bills to have the ball for long periods of time. 
Yeah, I think that they have to if they want to win this game. And if Mahomes is as hurt as we think he might be, I, I, this is the type of game plan you need to utilize. Now, uh, you say Hilaire had his, uh, the most carries he's had this season. I'm pretty in that sure particular he had a game. bunch, or at least yeah. he had his most yards. I know that for sure. Yeah, I think he, he rushed for over 150 yards in that game. So he was definitely utilized uh, to, to, you know, as much as they could. And that's exactly what they're going to have to do. Now they don't have him and bell looks like a complete shell of himself. It's, he's definitely not that MVP guy you were talking about earlier. That you could beat him in a foot race right now. Uh, well, listen, I've, <laughs> I worked all night, worked all day. <laughs> I got home, took a shower, got ready for the show. Uh, and then I had to go back to work again. So, um, I don't think I could possibly do that even in his current state, but, uh, I could definitely pose a challenge. All but, right. Sorry. So just we'll go. set it up. Uh, Le'Veon Bell versus a sleepy and tired Achilles rain, uh, 50 bucks on the line, but really quick, just go back to what I was talking about is, uh, I don't know if they can utilize the same type of game plan that they used uh, that, that particular game uh, when they face off against each other. So they're probably going to have to alter it a little bit because they don't have those weapons to run that type of offense. And Mahomes being hurt also really hurts. You can't really run that type of offense because he was posing some sort of threat uh, running the ball or scrambling out of the pocket and you know getting to the outside with the ball. He was posing that threat. And he, if he doesn't pose that threat now, it becomes a lot easier to kind of stack the box and make him beat you with his arm, you know, have your, uh, your pass rushes really pin the ears back and go after him. So I, I think the game plan will be slightly different than it was for that game. Okay. So another question, the bills offense versus the Kansas city defense, the Kansas city offense versus the bills defense, which one do you think has a bigger advantage there? You know, it depends on how you're looking at it. Cause if, if we're talking about offensively, I think that the bills offense probably has a more uh, has a bigger edge when it comes to going See, up against. That's what I think as well. I, I know it sounds completely nuts, especially with what Kansas city has, but uh, I just think this Buffalo offense might be a little, dare I, a little more explosive than this Kansas city team's offense. It, it just seems like they have multiple weapons in all over the place and they aren't scared to sort of morph their game plan into what's working that day of. Yeah. And I, that's definitely one of the things we've seen from that team. And that's why they've had as much success as, they, as they've had this season. Now going back to the Kansas city offense versus the bills defense with the hobbled Mahomes, it really changes everything. So I think that if you're asking whether they have an advantage, I think defensively they have an advantage, uh, because Mahomes is such a big part of at least playing the defense, you know, living in the defense's head. Uh, you don't know what he's going to do. If he's going to scramble, if he's going to uh, pitch it, run an option uh, or just fling the ball, you, you don't know exactly what he's, he's a very dangerous player, but if he's hobbled, he's only dangerous in certain situations, which uh, helps out that defense. Yeah. Another question I wanted to get into Um the Bills didn't run the ball much last week. Uh, the week before, they ran Josh Allen a whole lot. So I'm curious, would you, uh, let's use your offensive coordinator, Cap, would you utilize Allen's legs in this one, knowing 
that a a Super Bowl is on the line, and uh, b you you got the two weeks to rest. So if something, you know, a sprained ankle, a you know hurt toe, you have a little more time to heal up than would be normal. Now you know if he blows out his ACL, that's a different story altogether. Season's but, over. Yeah, but uh, would you be more willing this week? Uh, to pound Josh Allen up the middle, because I, I think that could be a nice resource for your offense. I'm just curious on your take of that. Now, the question was whether I'd run Josh Allen this week. Yeah. Yes, I would. Okay. <laughs> He's going to call the Josh Allen pounded up the middles. Listen, this is, this is a different defense. Last week you went up against Baltimore. That defense is you know, really, really stout when it comes to stopping the run. And I think that's one of the reasons why they utilized the game plan they did. This is a different type of defense, not as potent as that Baltimore one is. So I think you probably had a little more confidence in your ability to kind of get out and uh, get some rushing yards with the quarterback, which then opens up the passing game and it opens up the running lanes for the running backs. Yeah, I I think I probably uh, pull the shackles off a little bit this week and let him go. Now, of course, if he gets a concussion like Mahomes last week, uh, we're back into uh, the uh, drop-off of uh, starting quarterback to backup quarterback. Uh, I don't think Buffalo's is quite as bad as uh, Kansas City's, but the uh, Josh Allen to Matt Barkley, uh, I'm not sure is quite as far off as uh, one would be led to believe as the uh, Patrick Mahomes, Chad Henney one, but uh I just think they ought to utilize him and try to bang him around uh, up the middle. Uh, if you you don't know when you know this opportunity will come up, uh, you can speak from it from experience. The Rams got to the Super Bowl, and then the last two years they haven't been really in any position to get back to the Super Bowl. So if you have the opportunity to get to a Super Bowl, I think you just have to utilize it and go for it. Oh, definitely. Once you're in there, you're playing for all the marbles. At that point, you go all out and. Worst case scenario, you've got the rest of the offseason to heal and get better. Um, Now, you were talking about uh, USC Trojan Zone, Matt Barkley? (laughs) That's correct. I I was. Okay, just just making sure. Uh, Just making sure. you. I thought you were referencing a Trojan there. I was like, okay, just want to make sure it's the right one. Yes, it's a Trojan. Another (laughs) one of the long list of uh, Trojans whose quarterbacks did not succeed in the NFL. Hey, hey, what are you talking about? Remember Matt Leiner? Oh, wait. Okay, yeah. I see your point. We could go down a long, long uh, list of QBs. Uh, uh, I guess you can count Carson Palmer sort of at six. He had an, at least he he had an okay career. Yes. All right. So Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs minus three. Where are you leaning uh, spread wise on that one? I'm leaning towards Buffalo at the plus three. I think I'm leaning a little bit towards Buffalo as a plus three as well. So. That would probably be our mutual on the uh, picks, uh, Buffalo Bills plus three, if we had to uh, probably agree on one. Do you have any individual picks for this week? What are you looking at? What are you liking? Listen, I'm going I'm going to get brave, and I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go with two. Oh, my. Two picks. Picking both games. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely taking the Packers at uh, minus three and a half, and I'm taking the uh, the Bills at plus three. All right, so I got two picks as well. Uh, let's go with two and a half. Uh, if that Green Bay line hits three, 
I'm pouncing on it, but I don't want that three and a half. Uh, like I said, I, I'd go after that uh, Green Bay line at three and then try to get it in game, hoping uh, Green Bay gets up like they normally do and uh, try to middle that baby. But uh, that's probably a different gambling show to explain all the uh, intricacies of uh, trying to do all the middling and in-game playing. Uh, Just so you know, I'm listening back to this show after we get off <laughs> and I'm going to go in and put my bets based off your uh, your analysis here. All right, but uh, I will be taking the Buffalo Bills plus three, and uh, the over is very high at 53 and a half, but uh, something tells me this thing's going to be a shootout. I, I, I'm i not sure either defense is going to be able to contain it. Uh, I think the Chiefs might try to uh, do their little running attack like they did and control this game uh, clockwise, but um, I think Buffalo will be more... Uh, a little more uh, balls to the wall than they were in that uh, week six game. Uh, I think if they get behind, they're just going to start chucking it. <laughs> they showed that last week in that Baltimore game. They weren't scared to start just launching deep passes. So those are my two picks, uh, two and a half picks. Uh, caveat with the Green Bay Packers at three. All right. Be sure to follow all our podcasts on greenlightnetwork.org or our Facebook page, Greenlight Network, our YouTube page, Greenlight Network, and be sure to follow Achilles Rain. Where can we find you, Achilles? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TD Achilles. You can find me at GLNChamp5 on Twitter and Instagram. And that's our show, and we're out.